0: Amen. Well, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and as we are going through the Bible, I want to begin by reading a scripture to you, and it's from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And it goes like this, it says, in Him, and it's speaking of Jesus Christ, they are hidden, or in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What this verse is telling us that, imagine this, that in Jesus Christ, all wisdom and all knowledge is there. You know, when we think about this, right? What is knowledge and what is wisdom? See, knowledge is having facts and information. And wisdom is to know what you're going to do with that. See, knowledge is just having facts, having information. And so when it comes to wisdom, what are you going to do with this knowledge? See, as we think about this, right, the Word of God is telling us that Jesus has all wisdom and all knowledge. You know, let me give you this. I want to give you some illustrations. That way it can hit home. You know, it's like sin, right? We all know what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is doing things that are contrary to what the Word of God says. And what are the effects of sin? See, knowledge is knowing what sin is. And we have the commandments. We have the Word. And so, wisdom is, what are the effects? What are you going to do now because you know sin? The same thing is with obedience, right? Obedience is, is again, following the commands of God. And when we look at the knowledge, we know what the commands of God are. The uh, Obeying His Word, doing as He says. You know, following His instruction. And so when it comes to wisdom, I mean, wisdom will tell us to, to obey the Word of God, why, right? And as we obey the Word of God, then what do we receive? We receive the blessings. When we think about this, how many of us, I want to propose a question to all of, all of you. How many of you are much wiser today than you were before Christ? You know, every single one of us are, right? Right? And why is this the case as we think about this, right? Why is it that we're much wiser than we were before Christ? I'm going to reveal this insight from John 15, 15. Because this is what Jesus told His disciples. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. In other words, what Jesus is telling us is that He makes known to us all the wisdom, all the knowledge that we have. See, and this happens, I want you to understand, this happens by two ways. One way is by His Word, and the other way is by His Spirit. Let's look at what it says about the Word in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, "...are all Scriptures given by inspiration of God?" and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what we have here is we have the fact that the Word of God, is, it teaches us, it corrects us, it instructs us in righteousness, so that we can be complete for every good work. Look at what it says about the Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. So we have here both the Word of God that gives us all truth. We have the Spirit of God that reveals all truth. And look at what are the effects of the Word of God and the Spirit of God as they work together. From John 8, verse 32, it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Think about that. See, this is what's so amazing about the Word of God, the Spirit of God, as the truth of God is revealed to us that, We are now made free. Free from what? Lies, deception, free from sin as we are aware of it. And as we talk about knowledge and as we talk about the Spirit of God, I thought it would be interesting to share something with you from David Watson, who was an English author and an evangelist. This is what he once said. He said, all word and no spirit we dry up. All spirit and no word we blow up. Both Word and Spirit, we grow up. Imagine that. How they work together. It's so important for us to have a perfect balance when it comes to the Word of God and the Spirit of God because if it's all Word, as He says, and no Spirit, we dry up. If it's all Spirit and no Word, then we blow up. And, but if we have both, then we're going to grow up. You know. And as we go back to the Word of God, back to the truth that we're talking about, it's God's desire that we would all know His Word, and to allow His Word to do a perfect work in us. See, this is why Jesus said, remember when He went into the wilderness after His baptism, when He fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, He says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Imagine that. Imagine that Jesus is telling us that if we want to live, we are to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, it is the Word of God that gives us what the freedom that we're looking for. As we talked about last week, remember we talked about the soils of the heart. You know, as we spoke about the soils of the heart, how many of you remember what the seed represents? What does the seed represent? The Word of God. Remember, we talked about the soils. What does the soil represent? The heart. Our hearts. Think about this, right? The Word was talking about, last week as we went over, the Word falling on good soil, which is our hearts. And when it falls on good soil, when when our hearts are open to the truth of God, when we surrender ourselves to, to the Lord Himself, then it will produce fruit, and it will produce good fruit, and not only good fruit, but an abundant fruit. And today the Lord will further explain the blessings of the seed falling on good soil. Remember, it's the blessings of the Word that fall in our hearts. You know, as we walk with Christ, I want you to understand this, is that I know as a new believer, I never understood this. You know, as a new believer, when I gave myself to the Lord, I, I waited about two years, almost two and a half years before I truly appreciated the Word of God where I wanted the Word of God for myself. You know, when I wanted to read the Word of God, and this happens because, see, as new believers, you know, some of you may be different than I, but I believe that most are similar because, see, we don't understand the importance of the Word of God. And there are some of us that immediately fall in love with the Word of God or it takes time before we fall in love with the Word of God. And I want to be real I want to be very real to all of you. I have come to a place of loving the Word of God. See, because I am blown away by the truth that the Word of God gives me. See, as God says, you do not live, I mean, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God wants us to have this hunger for the Word of God. See, this Word of God that we have here, it sets us free. And as I read there, it sets us free from sin and from darkness. And as a psalmist said, he said that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. From Psalm 119, 105. And as we think about this, right, the Word of God is amazing. And most of all, we are to be students of the Word of God. This is what God's desires for us, is that we would be teachers of the Word. Not just me up here as a pastor, but also you to be teachers of the Word of God. See, I love to study the Word of God. And I don't get tired of the word of God and I don't get tired of studying the word of God. I can never say that, you know what? I don't need more of the word of God or or you know what that, you know what? I've had enough of the word of God. It's actually quite the opposite. See, I hunger for the truth of God. And I want to let you in on one secret here. I hunger for the wor- for the word of God not only for my personal growth, but also for your growth. See, for as a shepherd, I want you to understand this, I cannot take you further than what I have learned. See, I can only give you what I know. But the more I understand, the more you're going to understand. The more I learn, the more you're going to learn. The more I receive, the more you're going to receive. And this is what's so amazing about the Word of God. And I want to give you a passage as we're talking about the truth of God, because this is what we're talking about, the Word This is what it's all about the Word today, and we're going to see the effects of the truth. And this is the title of today's message, The Effects of the Truth. Before I get into Matthew 13, and I know this is a long introduction, but I thought it was very relevant and very important that we talk about this. When we look at Psalm 1, and as many of you know, and I've shared this in the past, I know this is one of my favorite Psalms, and it's a a favorite of many of you. When we look at Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why is this happening? Understand what God is trying to tell us here. He is saying that as we delight ourselves in the law of God, in the Word of God, as he meditates on the Word of God, he's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, he says, that brings fruit in its season, In its season, whose leaf shall not wither, but whatever he does shall prosper. And we're not talking about financial prosper, we're talking about overcoming whatever life brings you. You're going to prosper, you're going to be successful, you're going to overcome these things. And there's another another verse that goes along with Psalm 1 because, see, as God repeats this, he wants us to understand this. How many of us are familiar with Joshua? Remember, Joshua is the one that led the what the Israelites into the promised land. Moses, because of his misrepresentation of God was not allowed to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And so Moses took over, and I mean Joshua took over, and this is what God told Joshua. He told Joshua this in Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you are to meditate in it day and night. Imagine that, the same instructions that we have from the psalmist, we have here the instructions to Joshua that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The same thing that the psalmist said. Imagine that he's telling Joshua, Joshua, as my anointed leader to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, you are called to meditate on the Word of God. You are called to not allow the Word of God to depart from your mouth. In other words, teach it. And then when you do what it says, you're going to prosper. See, that's the same calling that I have, right? I am to, what? To not allow the Word of God to depart from my mouth, but to teach it. To all of you to meditate on it. To ponder on what the Word of God says. And when this happens, we become prosperous. Not only me as an individual, but us as a church. You as a body of Christ. And we will have good success. This is a promise of God and this is what the Word of God does. And for those of you that aren't reading the Word of God, don't be like me that waited two and a half years before I opened the Word of God and began to read the Word of God. But begin to do it now. And we know one thing that, as I mentioned to you last week, the only way to begin to understand the Word of God is that you need to be a believer. You need to be born again. Otherwise, the Word of God will never make any sense to you. So if there is sin that you are practicing, you got to, you know what, repent of that sin and and, and come to the faith of Jesus Christ, and then you will understand what the Word of God says. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 10, and now we're going to get into the Scriptures that the Lord has for us. And He's just going to expound on what I'm sharing with you now. Beginning here in verse 10 of Matthew 13, it says, "...and the disciples came and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables?" And He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to know them it has not been given, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Israel is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What we're hearing here is nothing but the words of Christ, the insight that He's given. And when we look at this, right, I want to talk about parables because this is what we've come. we come into a section of parables. Chapter 13 is filled with nothing but Parables. And I want you to know that prior to this Jesus had changed his prior to this Jesus wasn't teaching in parables. It wasn't until this chapter that he changed his style of teaching. And the reason that he changed was because of one thing. Understand the people were rejecting Jesus. So he changed his style of teaching. Imagine that. Jesus was teaching, you know, he would give illustration, he would teach, but he wouldn't give these parables right and but yet, he decided to change his style of teaching. And he had to do this because the people were rejecting him. Remember in Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees began to say of Jesus that, you know what, you're doing things by the power of Satan. And because of their unbelief, this is why Jesus changed his style of teaching. And he began to now teach in parables. I want to give you the definition of a parable. I gave this last week, but as we talk about parables, it's important that you understand what a parable is. I'm going to give you a long definition and I'm going to give you the short definition that you will all remember. Remember, a parable, as I mentioned last week, was a short, simple story. A short, simple story with with the purpose of communicating a spiritual truth, a religious principle, or a moral lesson. Again, it has a purpose of communicating a spiritual truth, a religious principle, or a moral lesson. But here's the easier definition. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so we come here to verse 10. And in verse 10, as we expound on the verses, it says here, And the disciples came and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? The disciples are saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you speaking to them in parables? Why is there this radical change? Understand, people are confused. You know what, as people are, are hearing these stories, they don't understand what you're saying. Why did you change? The next few verses from verse 11 through verse 17, it gives us the reason for parables. Parables. And I'm going to break this section down in four points. The first reason for parables, and we'll go over all four of them. I'll give you all four of them now. One is to make things known. The second reason for parables is to make things unknown. The third reason for parables is to fulfill prophecy. And the the fourth reason for parables is to bless you. Okay? Okay. So let's look at the first one, and it's here in verse 11 and 12. It says, He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Remember, the first reason that Jesus gave, gave parables is to make things known. He wanted the parables or He wanted people to know. He wanted people to learn. But we may think, is this a contradiction, right? Because the, apostles, the disciples were saying, Jesus, wait up, you're speaking things that are unknown. People don't understand you. But understand one thing about Jesus. Is that Jesus will make things known. Jesus will make things known to His disciples. Remember what we read in John 15, 15, where it says that He makes known all things to His friends. Last week, we covered our first parable. It was a parable of the sower. And remember, Jesus gave the parable to everyone. This was from verses 1 through 9. But then the explanation was only given to His disciples. And this was verses 18 through 23. He did not give the explanation to the unbeliever, but He only gave the explanation to the believer. See, Jesus, understand this, will always explain things to us. And remember, how do we receive an explanation of truth? We said there were two ways, right? The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And that's what we have here again, just the Lord reminding us that He's going to make things known to us as believers. And this is what He repeats here in verse 13. He says, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. See, we read here that Jesus gives these things to know. Remember, this is again the reason for parables, to make things known. He wants people to know the mysteries of the kingdom and the only one that he's going to explain the mysteries to is to the believer. Does the unbeliever ever want to read the Word of God? Probably not. Most of them don't. It's only the believer that wants to know these things, right? And this is how he uses the Word of God with the Spirit of God to make these things known to us. But he talks about mysteries of the kingdom. What is mysteries? You know, we always think of, for those of you that... Are older, the Agatha uh, Chris, uh, Christie books, or, or movies, or remember, uh, you know, all these mysteries that, that used to be at one time, right? This is something that, that was on television for many years. He's not talking about these type of mysteries. The mysteries that he's talking about here are mysteries that are the secrets of God. These are the secrets of God that are revealed to His people. And what are these mysteries and what are these secrets? Mysteries have to do with the revelations of God's plan of salvation. That's what a mystery is, right? It has to do with the revelation of God's plan of salvation. That's what the mysteries are. So when we look at the mysteries, it all has to do with God's plan of salvation. And when we think about it, right, who is God going to reveal this to? He's going to reveal this to The believer, right? It's going to make sense to the believer as he reads about these things and the Spirit of God is going to bring this truth. See, we talk about salvation to the non-believer, but we know that many non-believers don't receive it. But he makes an interesting point here as we go back to the Scriptures. He says that to him who has been given, more will be given. And not only more will be given, but you will have an abundance. Jesus again is speaking to the disciples. And He is saying that you you are giving mysteries of the truth of God, the glorious Word of God. You are giving the mysteries, the secrets of God. And understand this, that when you receive Christ and you become a believer, then guess what? You're going to be given more. And I, I want you to understand this, is that You're going to be given more and more, and you're going to be given in abundance. That's why, you know what, as we receive more, now we can give out more. And this is the way the Word of God and the Spirit of God work, is that they begin to reveal the truth of God, and more and more is given to us. But there are many people that say, you know what, I already know these things. Have you met people like that, that say, you know what, I don't need to learn anymore? And that's a very sad thing, because they're contradicting what Jesus is saying here. Because what Jesus is saying that, I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna give you more and I'm gonna give you an abundance of more. And what's so amazing about this is that, and I don't know if it's happened to you, but when you read the Word of God, and I read it and the Word of God shares something with me, I could go a month later or a year later and I read that same passage again and all of a sudden it's giving me more. How many of you have experienced that? See, that's the way the Word of God works. See, when we read it, right, and we become believers and it begins to make sense to us and and then we read it and it tells us something and then we go back to it later and it reveals something more and something else. See, this is why it tells us in Hebrews 4, 12, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, it is living, it is powerful. It forever lives, it forever gives you new truth. It forever reveals things to you. See, God always gives us new revelation from His Word. That's why we can read it this way. That's why, you know what, it's our desire that God says, you know what, keep reading my Word of God. Don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus promises you more and more. Jesus promises you an abundance. And this is that good soil. Remember we talked about the parable of the soils. This is that good soil that the Word of God falls upon. And the Word of God begins to take deep root within your hearts. And as it takes deep root, guess what? As it gives you more, you can rest, what? On your salvation. What's so amazing about this is you can walk with the assurance of your salvation. When it's falling on good soil. Because the voices of doubt that will come upon you, because we all have voices, right? And the enemy, he wants to rip out the truth of God and you and I are going to have voices of doubt, but if you know the Word of God, and He's giving you more and more, and you have an abundance of it, and you're just longing and hungering and desiring it, then guess what? You can fight against these lies. We won't be like children being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, because we can stand firm on the Word of God and the things that He's taught us. This is why He also teaches us this in Matthew 7, verse 24, that when things come at you, trials and voices. Look at what it says in Matthew 7 verse 24. It says, Therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine talking of the word of God and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. As we're speaking of here of the words of God, and as we're doing the words of God, and and what's so amazing about this, he says that, you know what? He says, for those that don't hear his words or do them, he will be like a foolish man that builds his house on sand. Which goes in, along now with the next point that we're going to talk about, and it's from verse 13. It says, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. The next section that I want to talk about is really to make things unknown. Remember, the reason for parables was to make things unknown. Not only to make things known, but also to make things unknown. And then I have two other reasons, but we'll go over this one now. In verse 11, Jesus said there that, To them it has been given. Again, speaking here. To them it has not been given, I should say. Speaking here of the unbeliever. The unbeliever that rejects Jesus. And in verse 12 he also says that whoever does not have even what he has he will take away. See, as Jesus is speaking on his parables understand this. Those that are unbelievers will never receive the explanation. And why won't they ever receive the explanation? Because they don't care about the explanation. They could care less about the explanation. See, unbelievers, they don't want to believe. These are people, as Jesus is saying, who do not see, who do not hear, who do not understand. Why don't they hear, see, or understand? Because they choose not to. They reject the truth. They reject Jesus Christ. See, they will never have truth. Understand this. They will never have truth. They will never know truth. They will never know wisdom. They will never know the knowledge of God or His plan of salvation because they decide to reject it. They make a choice to reject it. But understand this. Remember, this isn't God's heart. God's heart is that all should be saved, right? He desires that everyone would turn from His wicked ways. The problem is, is that people don't want this. People don't want to give themselves to Jesus Christ. And what happens to these type of people? Understand, these type of people love their sin. They love darkness. This is why Jesus said in John 3 verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. See, these people that will never understand parables or the truth of God, it's because they chose evil over the Lord. They chose to walk in darkness versus to walk in light. And the wisdom and knowledge of God will never be available to them. And these people understand this. They all think they're so smart, don't they? How many of you know... I think we all know unbelievers, right? And unbelievers think they know everything. They think they're so smart. But what's so amazing about an unbeliever, once they begin to hear the wisdom that comes from your mouth, they end up coming to you for advice, don't they? They end up coming to you for counsel. See, the issue with our world today, understand this, the issue with our world today is that the wisdom of man is what's ruling today. The wisdom of man has brought us to our current state of affairs and that is the rejection of God and that is what has brought us to where we're at today. How many of you heard about this morning, right? Well, let's talk about the events from this past week. You know, you have what? The terrorist bombings there in in Nice, in France. You know, you have how many 80-something people killed. You know, thinking that that they knew better, right? Thinking that they know the thing to do, they, you know what, this is an evil act, and they practice evil. You look at the government there in in Turkey. What happened there? You had the, the 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 army that 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 you know what that tried to overthrow the current government. Why? Because they thought they knew better. There's an absence of God. I don't know if you heard this morning how there were three police officers in Louisiana that were killed in retaliation to what's going on in the world. This racial. Division that is being stirred up by the world around us. And why is this being stirred up? Because there's an absence of what? An absence of God. That's what's happening in our world today. If God was reigning in this world, then we would not have this. But this is promised only when? When God returns. See, the world around us does not live in the Word of God, following the Word of God. Look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians 1.25. It says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Imagine that. Imagine the, the profound statement that we have here that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When you jump down to uh, 1 Corinthians 2.6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. See, that's what's happening in our world today. It's coming to nothing. Because we have these men and these rulers that think that they are wise. And it is a world that is absent from God. Look at what happens to people that want nothing to do with God. And I'm going to read it to you from Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So in other words, what the writer here, Paul, is saying is that, you know what, you can even see the world around you, you know that there is a Maker. It just reveals that someone made this. It doesn't come from a big bang. There is no evolution. We Things didn't just exist the way you see them today. There's no way. There has to be a maker. And it points to God. But yet, Paul is telling us, you know what? That although they knew God, they did not glorify God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, that professing to be wise, he says. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, look at what He does. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. And even as they did not retain, and even as they, as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the base mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual morality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. See, when you reject the Word of God, when you reject Jesus Christ Himself, who is the Word that came in the flesh, then this is what happens to you. How many of us were walking in those footsteps? Every single one of us was. We were walking in these ways. But yet, once we made a choice to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ, then what happened? Transformation happened. God began to give us light. He began to set us free right by the Word that He gave us. And we were no longer practicing sin, but now we were practicing what? Righteousness, because now righteousness was reigning in our hearts. We're running out of time, and I'm going to have to give you this quickly. The next reason for parables comes to us in verse 14. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. See, what Jesus is saying here is saying, you know what? If people would only hear, if people would only listen, if people would only surrender and accept My Word and the truth that I give, then guess what? Then they would be able to see. But because they don't, They can't see with their eyes and they can't hear with their ears. They won't understand with their hearts and they won't turn. See, Jesus gave parables to fulfill prophecy. See, Isaiah spoke to the people of Judah. He told them, you know what, there's, you know what, there's coming judgment. And he said, you know what, before that, the word of God tells us that, you know what, the people of Judah, they were Rebelling against God in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. And in Isaiah 1 verse 4 it says, You know what? You are a sinful nation. A people that are laden with inequity. A brood of evildoers. Children who are corruptors. You have forsaken the Lord. You have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. You have turned away backward. Does this sound like us today? It sounds like our world today, doesn't it? And this is what the Lord is saying to to the to, uh, to of the people of Judah. And we know that in Isaiah 6, remember, this is when Isaiah goes right into the throne room of God. And remember, when he goes into the throne room of God, he sees God in His majesty. And what does he say? He says to himself, I am so sinful and I am unworthy. And then you have a seraphim that takes a coal and he touches the mouth of Isaiah. And what does he do to it? And as he touches the mouth of Isaiah, he says, now you're ready. Yes, you were sinful and now you've been cleansed and now you can go speak. And He says, go and speak to the people. And this is what He says in Isaiah chapter 6 beginning in verse 9. Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but... Do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and, their, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Basically, what he's saying, if they were to open their eyes, they would see. If they were to hear with their ears, they would hear, but they're not going to do that. These people are spiritually dull. They don't want to hear. And this is why Jesus is saying, I'm only fulfilling prophecy because Isaiah said this would happen. And this happens today as he was speaking to the Pharisees. As the Pharisees said that you are working by the power of Satan, Jesus. That he begins to tell them, you know what, all of you guys, you Pharisees and the rest of you that don't believe. You don't believe because what you don't want to believe. You don't see because you don't want to see. You don't hear because you don't want to hear. And so these parables were given. And then in closing, in verse 16, it says this. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. See, this is for us as believers. Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the time, but he was speaking to all those who believed. And the same is for all of you. If you believe, He is saying, Blessed are your eyes, and blessed are your ears. And this is what's so amazing. As a child of God, understand this. We have parables, and we understand them, and because of these parables, we are blessed. We have the secrets of God that have been revealed to all of us. You have the Word of God that comes alive. You have the Word of God that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You have a Word of God that you are hungering after. You have a Word of God that makes your life prosperous, that you can succeed over all things. This is the Word of God that has been given to us. And this is the Word of God that blesses our lives as it works in unison with the Spirit of God to reveal all truth. And Jesus says, you know what? There were prophets and righteous men who desire to see what you see, who desire to hear what you hear. See, the prophets understand this, and the righteous men, they weren't walking with Jesus. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't hear these things. They didn't see it coming alive. And that's what He's saying. You know what? These prophets weren't able to see these things. But what did Jesus say to us? Blessed are you who do not see, but yet you believe. As we see history unfold itself, We are seeing those that reject the gospel. We are seeing evil running rampant. We are seeing people loving darkness. We are seeing our world falling apart. We are seeing the Word of God coming to life to us today. This is what's so amazing about the Word of God. This is why I love the Word of God, because it's real and it penetrates our heart and it speaks to us. Every single one of us can understand it. See, we, remember what Jesus says, and i got to share this with you. And it's from Paul, as he says here in 1 Corinthians. What does he say to, to all of us, right? He says one thing. He says that, that, you know what? For us. He says, for you see your calling, brethren. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God is called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. You and I are these people. You and I are the ones that say, you know what, we were lost without You. We were blind without You. We were enslaved without You. We were bankrupt without You. And now, Lord, we receive You because we need You. And because of this, now what does He do? He's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world which are despised, God has chosen. Understand, that is you and I when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. This is what begins to transform our lives, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And there's nothing else that can do what God is doing or what the Spirit of God has done. You know what's so amazing about us is that people see the transformation in us, but yet they love their sin. They don't want to walk away from their sin. That's why they continue in their sin even though they see a change in us. You know, this transformation can only take place when you become a lover of Jesus. I'm going to give you this final point. The longer you know Jesus Christ, the more truth you will receive. The longer you reject Jesus Christ, the deeper the darkness. Understand that. And so now, as we close, I'm going to give you now an opportunity here, an opportunity to make things right with Jesus. If you want wisdom, if you want knowledge, if you want transformation, if you want all that Jesus has for us, well, we see there's a dying world out there. We see a world that is going to be completely destroyed. It is destroying itself because they think that they are wiser than God. But understand one thing, that it is Jesus that says, That He chooses the foolish things of the world. That He chooses the weak things of the world. That He chooses the base things of the world. And this is what He does. And He makes beauty out of ashes. He makes us into respectable men and women. Men and women of integrity. Men and women of wisdom. Men and women that walk in truth. And if this is you, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. If you want Jesus Christ in your life, raise your hand and we will pray for you. If this is you, Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm also going to give this opportunity for those of you that maybe you're not fully in. And there's really not a... I'm going to share this with you. There's, you can't really be fully in. Maybe you're not fully surrendered. Maybe you're still going after the things of the world and we see what the world is coming to. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you right now about your current walk with Him. And maybe He's convicting you of this. And maybe He's telling you that, you know what, yeah, your walk isn't right. You're still practicing sin. You still have all these things that you're going after, the things of the world, the ways of the world. You're loving the world instead of loving me and making me a priority. And if this is you and you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, For the Lord is coming back soon. And we must get our life in order. And the only way to get it in order is through Jesus Christ. And if this is you, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? For those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to have you repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you asking you to forgive me. I want more of you. I don't want me anymore. I make a mess out of things. But I know that you restore, and you put things in order, and you transform lives. I want my life transformed. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your grace and Your mercy in sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and to die for my sins and for sending my Helper, the Holy Spirit, to give me the power to walk in obedience to my new master, which is Jesus Christ. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I have the. Usher?